Welcome back guys to the On The Verge podcast. My name is Ali Reza and today I am joined with a very special guest, my favorite teacher, Rupert Spira, who has been teaching non-duality for the past 45 years. The following conversation is very, very special and goes into a lot of depth about many important topics. Hi everybody, my name is Kenneth Shinazuka. I'm a DPhil in psychiatry at Oxford University. And my name is Ali Reza Omidvar. I'm a third-year philosophy and theology student at Regent's Park College, Oxford. Hello, I'm Rupert Spira. I'm, I have studied the uh, non-dual teaching for the past uh, 40, 45 years, and I'm happy to be here to have a conversation with you all. Hello, I'm David Leon, librarian of the Oxford Centre for Buddhist Studies, teaching assistant at Beckley Church of England Primary School. And, uh, yeah, go on. Hi, everybody. My name is Alex Strau, and I have a background in computer science and statistics from the University of Pennsylvania and the Wharton School. And my interests lie in neuroscience and consciousness. All right, so if I may begin with the first question, uh, it centers around politics and ethics. And basically the question is, how can one justify to oneself a way of life centered around one's own peace of mind and emotional stability and happiness when there is so much suffering out there in the world? The non-dual understanding which lies at the heart of all the great religious and spiritual traditions can be could, could be distilled into a, a simple formulation. Peace and happiness are the nature of our being and we share our being with everyone and everything. So if the non-dual understanding just consisted mm -hmm. of the recognition peace and happiness are the nature of our being, mm -hmm. then you would be quite right to question it. It would not have any implications for society, for politics, for ethics. But the recognition that peace and happiness are the essential nature of our self or our being is only one aspect of the understanding. The second aspect of the understanding is that we share our being with everyone mm -hmm. and everything. In, in Buddhism, the first understanding is referred to as wisdom, the second as compassion. And as, as you well know, Buddhism would not be complete if it was only about wisdom mm -hmm. and not about compassion, or only about compassion and not about wisdom. So you have these two aspects of the understanding, and it is really the second aspect of the understanding, namely we share our being with everyone and everything that has an, a, a profound and direct impact on um, on society, on politics, on, on ethics. Mm. Because it is essentially the recognition that we are all one. Imagine if our politicians realized that, that everyone, everyone shared their own being. Imagine what kind of a society we would, we would live in. Imagine what, what kind of politics, what our politics would look like if it was founded on the single principle at the deepest level, everyone is one. I think so. I think there's a classical conundrum of oneness, 
which is that we do live in a world of separation. Um, we have separate bodies. Um, we seem to have separate streams of experience. Um, and so I guess there are two questions. One, how do we reconcile the fact that we share uh, the same being with the apparent separateness of everybody and everything? And the second is, in a world where we do realize this truth that we are all one, what are the implications that that has for the way that we structure society? For instance, like I think many spiritual teachers who embrace the notion of oneness wouldn't say that we should all share the same bank account, for example. Um, and there's still certain boundaries that they would set um, between um, different different people, different organizations, and so on. Well, to, to respond to your your first question, the the, uh, the fact of separation or the appearance of separation is um, simply that it's an appearance it's it's the way things appear from the outside we we, we appear to have there appear to be a multiplicity and diversity of objects and selves that that's how that's how things appear when we watch a movie uh, we see 10,000 things in the movie but those 10,000 things share the same screen that the, the reality of the objects in the movie is a single indivisible screen. Everyone and everything in the movie derives its apparent, apparently independent existence from the single screen. Likewise, everything in, 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 in our world, I would suggest, derives its apparently independent existence from a single shared reality whose nature is, is consciousness. Mm -hmm. So the, the separation is only in the appearance, mm -hmm. not in the reality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, what are the implications for this? It doesn't mean to say that, that at the level of appearances, we are all same. Mm. On the contrary, there is great freedom at the mm. level of appearances. Mm. The sameness exists at, behind the appearances, so mm. to speak, at, at, at the re in the reality. How that reality expresses itself varies from individual to individual so its expressions are numerous the reality mm. is mm -hmm. is is shared so there is no um, such a society would not be structured around coercion mm -hmm. there would be great respect for individuality great re respect for freedom when I say individuality I don't mean great respect for separation there would be great respect for individual expressions of a single reality mm -hmm. so there would be great there would be creativity freedom uh, less less conformity, but 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 society would be structured around the, the 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 understanding that ultimately everyone is the same being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that leads me to a question, which is based on on animal rights. If non-duality is true, and we all at the bottom level want infinite awareness. Is there another moral obligation for most of us in the Western world to go vegan? Um, and the reason I ask this question is because I have a friend who is a vegan advocate. And he has troubles with religious people when he speaks to them about veganism. And religious people tend to, not all of them, but some of them tend to say, well, because God commanded it's okay to eat animals, therefore we just do that. But the non-dual understanding suggests that the same consciousness um, our consciousness is the same consciousness as the animals. In fact, as you say, objects don't have consciousness. Consciousness is the objects. So by buying meat and contributing towards factory farming, we are hurting ourselves. Uh, 
Yes. yes. So is there not a, yes. an obligation? That, that, that's true. That, that it's um, anything we do to another, we ultimately do to ourselves, and we would never, we we would never consciously hurt someone we love. Mm-hmm. Why? Because, as we said in our conversation earlier, the experience of love is the recognition that we share our being with that other. In other words, in the experience of love, the other ceases to be other. We feel that we are one with them. We mm. feel that their self is our self. Mm. And so even if we don't formulate it to ourselves in this way, mm. we, we feel that what we do to them, we do to ourselves. Mm. So most people have a small circle of love that includes their family and their friends, and they would never do anything to hurt mm-hmm. anyone within that circle. But outside that circle, they feel there are other people who, or, or, or animals that they don't love. Mm-hmm. In other words, they don't feel that they share their being with them. And that enables them to behave towards those animals or others mm-hmm. in a way that they would never behave towards the people that were in their circle of mm-hmm. love. So in this understanding, one's, one's circle of love expands mm-hmm. to in- include all beings. One would never do anything to uh, consciously hurt an, an, another being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, it's what St. Augustine um, meant when he was asked this question about um, morals and ethics in relation to this understanding. And he said, love and do whatever you want, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which basically means feel that you share your being with everyone and everything. Mm-hmm. And as long as your thoughts feelings and actions are in line with that single principle then you're free to to, to do whatever you want but just check that whatever you do is in line with this single principle the principle of love the Mm. principle that that we share our being and so if if I may sort of be more precise about it then I find that a a natural mode of life for myself a natural day would take a large part would a large part be devoted to contemplation prayer meditation uh, interaction with people around me and aesthetic creation. Right? I do not feel naturally inclined towards activism. I do not feel naturally inclined towards amassing wealth in such a way that I could f- f- share it with my friends who are struggling in penury on other sides of the world, and then many people have never met who are struggling even worse. Right? And I feel a constant sense of guilt that I'm not doing more to directly, materially benefit other living beings. Mm-hmm. How, what, what advice would you have Ramana Maharshi said, the greatest service one can offer humanity is is to recognize one's true nature. Is that true? Do you really believe that's true? Uh, I believe it's true for this reason, that ultimately there are not numerous minds. There is one mind, and each of our minds mm. are... are, are um, modulations of that single mind Mm. therefore whatever takes place in one mind Mm. affects all other minds so yes I do believe that the highest service one can render humanity is to recognize one's true nature and abide as that now what one chooses to do as a result of that recognition varies from individual to individual Mm. some Mm. characters will be motivated to become activists Mm. and if they they're activism is um, arises on behalf of this understanding then I would encourage them to do so others would be motivated to, uh, to, to to amass wealth well if they used their wealth to in some way 
share and communicate this understanding with others, I would encourage them to amass wealth mm. and mm. to do that. Whereas another person may not be motivated towards activism or, 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 or wealth creation, that they may lead a quiet, reclusive life at home, as you say, um, in contemplation, um, aesthetic creation, and that would be equally valid. You truly mm. believe that? I truly believe that, yes. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Um, I, I really believe that whatever one does that is initiated by this understanding serves humanity. Mm. Mm. For one person that might be living as a recluse in a cave, for another person it may be amassing a fortune and, 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 and using their fortune to, to mm -hmm. share this understanding with large numbers of people. Another person it may be activism. I, I truly believe that, yeah. yes. Yeah. 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 So, yes. Right, right. So it seems like we should um, give people the freedom, as you're saying, to express this recognition yes. it, in whichever way suits there's them. There's a great respect for freedom yes. in this approach, mm, not yes. coercion. There, right. there, there are very few... That's why I love that um, mm. response of St. Augustine. Mm. It's, there's just one one law mm. it's love mm. that's mm. really the only law you need the only reason we need other laws is because we don't recognize that primary law of love that is that we share our being mm. if we truly understand and feel that we share our being all the other all moral yes. codes really stem from that right. primary right. recognition and and i think there's this then this question of uh, how do we bring people to this recognition that all that really matters is loving one another. Um, it, it seems that one can be weighed down deeply by cynicism and say that the world in its present state is filled with such deep hate um, that to um, bring this kind of recognition to the masses is nearly impossible. But it seems nonetheless that in order to steer the ship in the right direction, that we do need to uh, find some way of accelerating this recognition. Um, mm. And the sense of urgency that results in that feel, the desire to accelerate. Right, exactly. There, there, there's, an, there's an urgent need, um, uh, yeah, to, to bring the planet to this recognition. Yes, and in response to that need, each of us d do what, whatever we can do. For instance, this this podcast will will be heard by a number of people. I um, give my talks, and uh, ten years ago, it, or twelve years ago, it never occurred to me. That, that I was like you. I wanted to lead a, life, a quiet life in contemplation and, and aesthetic creation. I thought I'd spend my life in my studio. Yeah. I had this beautiful <laughs> little studio in the middle of nowhere. I, it was as far away as I could possibly go. It was up in the Welsh, in, in the, in the, in, in the um, in Shropshire marches. And, and I just thought I'd spend my life in contemplation and, and aesthetic creation. And then I, I, I wrote a book. I thought I'd just go back to my studio and spend the rest of my life in my studio. I started getting invitations. I began to speak. And now, 12 years later, there are, whatever it is, 138,000 subscribers on YouTube. And, and, and um, so I didn't plan that. I didn't have a, mm. a vision mm. of that. I never even had the desire to. Mm. Nevertheless, I just followed what I, I mm. thought. This has always been my my great love mm. and uh, so I wrote the book I started giving talks and the whole thing kind of grew from that that's just my mm. contribution mm -hmm. and, and each of us each of us has to share this understanding yeah. in whatever way it is right for us you know I'm, I'm doing it through speaking and writing other people yeah. do it through contemplation mm. aesthetic creation mm. there are all sorts of ways 
there are almost as many ways as there are individuals to bring this understanding, mm. to share this understanding mm. in, in society. And, and anyone that... Most people who, 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 who feel this understanding are, feel some kind of... Um, they don't just want to keep it in their heart. Mm. There's mm. some mm. desire to communicate it, to share mm. it, to express it. Why? Because because we feel that we, we feel another person's suffering mm-hmm. as our own suffering. So mm-hmm. when, when we, whenever we meet suffering, we immediately our our, our heart mm-hmm. is moved by it. We, we just as we want to relieve our own suffering, there is this motive to mm-hmm. to relieve another's mm-hmm. suffering. So it is very natural to express this understanding in in some way in our life. Mm-hmm. Uh, that leads me to a question: um, moving from ethics to metaphysics. Mm-hmm. Um, Thinking about thinking about infinity, and I think we had this conversation last week about uh, if it's true that everything emanates from one infinite awareness, and that all actions are committed by essentially one actor, then evil. Now I'm using evil in the, in appearance because I know that you don't believe evil exists at, at the at the ultimate level, but the way evil appears, um, it seems like that Hitler and other actors like Stalin and just genuine, uh, generally speaking, immoral actors in the world, they're also inf- infinite. Uh, they're also the actions of the infinity, the same infinity yeah. that is uh, that is acting yeah. here. Yeah. And so the question is: Is God sort of is God or infinite awareness just appearing in infinite, not infinite possible ways because of what it is? Because if you think of infinity. It would be difficult to imagine infinity just being good in, in the way we understand good. And the infinity, because of the fact that it's infinite, has to fit in all the gaps of every possible world that it can go into. Um, otherwise, it's not going to be infinity, if you, yes. if you think about it like that. I, I would suggest that when infinite consciousness localizes itself in the form of a finite mind, that's each of us. In other words, I would suggest that each of us as finite minds are, are temporary localizations of the one infinite reality, which is consciousness. That as consciousness localizes itself in the form of a finite mind, it overlooks or forgets its infinite nature. Mm. That's the price it pays. <laughs> Just as when we fall asleep at night, we, 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 we go to bed peaceful, we fall asleep, we forget that we're in Oxford having a, 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 a sleep in our bed. We dream that we're on the streets of New York and we're having a nightmare. Um, we, we, have, we have forgotten the peaceful nature of our mind. We have overlooked the nature of our, our mind in, in Oxford. We've localized ourselves within our own dream. Mm. And that enables the dreamed character to experience things that are not consistent with the peaceful nature of your mind mm. asleep in Oxford. Mm. So it's just an, an analogy. Infinite consciousness has to overlook or forget its own nature, its infinite nature, in order to localize itself as an individual mind. Mm. And the price it pays for doing so is that it, it, it overlooks itself. It, it, it is what in the Vedantic tradition it's called ignorance. Mm, mm, it's, it's in the Christian tradition, it's original sin. Ignorance doesn't mean stupidity as it does in common mm. parlance. It means the ignoring of our true nature 
and its innate qualities. So, so as consciousness localizes or contracts into a finite mind, it gives up or, or ignores its knowledge of itself as infinite. Mm. It mm. seems to become finite. Mm. It's only as that finite, separate mind that it can act in ways that are unjust or cruel or mm. unkind. Mm. So um, the, 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 the giving up of its, um, of its knowledge of itself, of its innate peace and joy and, 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 and love, is the price consciousness pays for localizing itself in the form of each of our minds. Mm. So then, just following up, can we say that infinite awareness is good based on the fact that infinity can appear as someone like Hitler, Stalin, and as someone it, like you? It, it, it's, the, it's, it, it's good, but not the good that is the opposite of evil. Mm-hmm. It is the good. Um, it, it's the good that is prior to the duality of, of good and evil. Mm-hmm. So uh, you see, to take Hitler. Why, why was Hitler able to behave in the way that he did? But simply because he didn't understand what we are speaking of here. Mm. He didn't realize that, in this case, the Jews. He didn't realize that. Behind their cultural conditioning, they were exactly the same being mm. that, that, that he was. He, he, knew, he must have known the experience of love. He had a girlfriend. He must have loved her. He, must have, he was capable. He was vegetarian, for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. He, he, why? He, he, he liked animals. He didn't want to... It, it, it's hard for us to, mm. to, to, to believe this, but he didn't want to cause animals harm didn't want to harm his girlfriend. Why? Because he loved them. That is, he felt he shared their being with him. But the, the, the circle of, of, of his shared being, the circle in which he felt he shared his being, was very small. Mm. And, and the, the Jews and the gypsies and everyone else were, were outside that circle. Mm. And so he was able to behave towards them in these atrocious ways. It, mm. He just simply didn't understand what we are speaking of here. Mm-hmm. And, and Hitler, in the final analysis, is just infinity as a peer. But if we had said, so if we had asked Hitler, sorry to interrupt. No, of course. If we had asked Hitler to describe his thoughts and feelings, we, we have a sense of, of, of what those thoughts and feelings would have been and how different they would have been from any of ours. But if we had said to Hitler, Turn your attention away from the content of your experience. Trace your mind back to its source. So instead of directing your mind outwards towards the content of your experience, turn the camera around, so to speak. Take a selfie. Mm-hmm. No, not a selfie. <laughs> not not that a was, self, that was body mind. But take a selfie of your self-awareness, your, your essential being, uh, prior to your thoughts, prior to your feelings, mm-hmm. prior to your activities and relationships. And then if we, we each did exactly the same thing, we all took a, a selfie of our essential self, mm-hmm. they would be identical. Mm-hmm. Hitler's mm-hmm. being, his essential being, prior to the content of his experience, mm-hmm. was identical to everybody else's being. It, because it's the same being. We all mm. share mm. our being. Mm. Mm. You, you spoke of a, a goodness that exists beyond the polarities of, of good and bad. Is this the goodness that, uh, that arises from, or perhaps is the foundation of, the identity of the being that we all share? Is, is, is goodness yes. the, this, this oneness? Yes, yes. E- exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and what we call um, good and evil mm. in, in our... 
um, activities in mm. the way we behave would be the extent to which we express mm. that felt understanding mm. of our shared being mm. or not. Mm. So mm. evil would mm. be behavior that violates mm. this fundamental principle that mm. at the deepest level we are all one. Mm. What we call good behavior is behavior that is consistent with that understanding. Mm -hmm. What we call evil is behavior that, that, that mm -hmm. violates that mm -hmm. understanding. Mm -hmm. And so if, if we can speak of this goodness, or, or if there is such a thing as this goodness that, um, that exists beyond the polarities of good and bad, then in what sense is it still goodness? Well, I, I wouldn't use the word mm -hmm. goodness because yes. in that sense... Um, because of our normal association with goodness as opposed to, to evil. So I, I think it's um, I, I think it's misleading to refer mm. to it mm. as, mm -hmm. as good. It is prior to good and evil. It, it, I, I, I would use the word love. Mm. For mm. It, but the, the, the love that knows no opposite. Mm. Or, or, or you could say the goodness that knows no opposite. Mm. Mm. Okay, sorry, you, you go first. So perhaps a neutral expansiveness. A neutral expansiveness, but in a human being, it's felt as peace and joy and love. Even to call it peace and joy and love is really to say too much about it. Mm -hmm. The reason we call it peace and joy and love is because as human beings, we, ex we, we experience agitation and um, suffering and conflict. So in contrast to agitation, mm -hmm. suffering and, and, and conflict, we refer to our true nature as peace and joy and love. But it is only necessary to do so in contrast with our previous experience mm. of, of agitation, suffering and conflict. Mm. Really, we should, we should not say anything about it at all, ultimately. Mm. So simply nothingness. You see, even even to call it nothing is the, the only reason. Just as we call reality peace in reference to our previous agitation, or we call it joy in reference to our previous suffering. Likewise, we only call it nothing. The Buddhists only refer to it as emptiness or void in reference to our previous belief in the existence of objects. Mm -hmm. So that to, to call it nothing only means something in relation to our previous belief in things. In relation to things, objects, it is not a thing. However, that, that, that's only valid if we credit things with independent existence. At a higher level of, of understanding, we realize ultimately there are no things. Things are just how the activity of consciousness appears mm -hmm. from a localized perspective. So if we understand that there are no discrete, independently existing things, mm -hmm. we cannot describe reality as nothing mm -hmm. because the things that we are contrasting it with no longer exist mm -hmm. so as a temporary stage of understanding mm -hmm. it is legitimate to say reality is empty mm -hmm. or void mm -hmm. but it is not really empty or void a recurring thought that arises for me is this idea that is this idea that nothingness engenders emptiness <laughs> engenders 
randomness <laughs> engenders somethingness. <laughs> that there is an expansive substrate that is neutral, having a sense of empty voidness, not in reference to somethingness, but simply a field of nothingness mm. from which random perturbations then coalesce into somethingness. Mm. Yes, I, I, I would agree that, that, that there, there is this empty field of potential that, that so to speak, shudders within <laughs> itself spontaneously <laughs> and that creates um, a ripple of itself within itself and that those ripples um, gather momentum, complexify, join with one another and, 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 and that at some point uh, one of these ripples um, separates itself from the whole mm-hmm. and this would be a, a a localized mind within the universal mind mm. and from the perspective of this temporary localization the the perturbations mm. that it sees in the sea of consciousness around it mm. appear as the physical universe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the stuff that the localization is made of mm-hmm. and the stuff that the universe that it mm-hmm. perceives around it is made of is the same stuff mm-hmm. and there is no real boundary between mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. The, the, the boundary is only made of, of um, its perceiving faculties mm-hmm. the fact that it can perceive mm-hmm. because it, so it, it, it is a it, it is a it is a like a vortex in the middle of the ocean of consciousness mm-hmm. um, from whose limited perspective that the rest of the the activity of the ocean appears mm. as the universe. Mm. So this localization, as you were saying, that's um, each of us. Each yes. of us are these localizations. The, these lo- sorry, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, which is, mm. which is also ignorance or the original. And right. no, it's not ignorance. There's a distinction between illusion and ignorance. It's very important to make mm. that distinction. Um, if the Buddha was sitting here with us mm. now he would be seeing exactly the same room that we are seeing. In other words, he would see the illusion of three-dimensional space. I w- would suggest that, those, that the, three dimension, the three dimensions of space are not inherent in reality. Mm. They are part of our cognitive mm. apparatus. Human minds mm. perceive in three dimensions of space and one of time. So the universe appears to us in time and space, not because time and space are an integral part of reality. It's because they are the, the lens through which mm. we as human beings look. Um, the Buddha, when he was alive, had a human mind. He would also see reality appearing in time and space. That's the illusion. Ignorance is the belief mm. Mm. that the objects we see in that illusion mm. are real in their own right. Mm. Mm. It's the it's ignorance that goes, the illusion remains. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. Um, I had a question which links back to the infinity thing, but it's sort of like if God or infinite consciousness is the actor that is acting as every possible action in the whole universe, then in what sense is he worthy of worship if he's Stalin and, and uh, Hitler and and other evil actors, uh, because in, when, in what sense? In what sense is is that thing, or let's not call it a thing, is infinite awareness worthy of worship, but worthy of being worshipped? Yeah, or, or prayer. 
In what sense, like, who am I praying to? Am I praying to... Well, p- p- prayer and worship, we could say, would be the highest state mm. of the apparent individual. So mm. crediting mm. the individual with its own existence, mm. the state of prayer mm. would be its, the highest, its highest internal state, mm. a state of worship, Mm. or awe or, or, or wonder mm. or gratitude would be its highest external state, its highest state in relation to what was outside of itself. Prayer would be the highest state mm. in, in terms of what was inside of itself. Mm. But, but both um, prayer and worship would be as such the, the highest state of the apparent individual. Mm-hmm. We, we are crediting the individual with, with its own existence and mm-hmm. saying, okay, as an individual, the highest state is to be in this mm. attitude of contemplation mm. on the inside and worship mm. on the outside. Mm-hmm. However, at a deeper level of understanding, the, 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 we recognize to believe that there is an individual is the arrogance of the human mind. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because to believe that there is an individual, an individual is to deny the infinite status of reality mm, because mm-hmm. there, the individual displaces a part of the infinite's infiniteness mm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's it's not it's not um, although one of course should never say it one, one should never say mm. I am God but mm. it's not mm. really blasphemous mm. to say I am God what is blasphemous is to say I am an individual mm. <laughs> what is arrogant is to mm. say I am an individual because Mm. In doing so, we are denying mm. the infinite nature of reality. Mm. We, we are, without realizing it, mm. uh, um, implying that reality is something finite, is something less than mm. the, the infinite whole. And that, mm. that is the arrogance of the human mind, mm. to mm. assert, I am an individual. Mm. That, for me, is why it appears almost preferable. Because in, in a state of completely unitive experience, there really is no me. But I like me. I am mm. attached to this self. And I like this self best when it is in worship. Yes, because that, 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 that's, that's because when you feel yourself mm. to, 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 to be a person, yeah. you, you recognize that, that the highest, the, the correct yeah. relationship of the apparent individual to the whole yeah. is one of contemplation on the inside or yeah. prayer or meditation yeah. on the inside yeah. and, and worship or gratitude on the outside. So yeah. there, you, you're covered, both when you're feeling yourself to be an individual, yeah, you place exactly. yourself in the right relationship to be whole, to, to the whole, and then in your deepest meditation, mm. you lose your sense mm. of individuality, mm-hmm. and then you no longer, you're no longer conscious of being in prayer or in worship. Mm. You, you just are. You've mm. lost your sense of individuality. Mm. So in a way, that, that, that's, that, that's the best. You, you're covered in both states. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm still struggling with something, which is that if, if infinity is both Hitler and you, and it's me at the same time. Um, when I'm in a state of prayer or worship, what is my justification to be in a state of prayer or love with that which <laughs> is causing evil? Even as I mean, as much as I understand evil is to cause harm to others. Because if if you if you hate Hitler, you're colluding with him. You're mm. just doing what he's doing. Okay. You can hate Hitler's actions. Yes. That's we should fine. hate Hitler's that's actions fine. because they violate truth. They violate mm. love. But if we hate Hitler, the person, mm. 
By doing so, we, we, we are validating, substantiating the belief that there mm. is an individual self mm. called Hitler, and then we are hating it. That's exactly what he did. Mm, mm, mm. That's why he behaved the way he did, mm, because he mm. hated other people. Mm, if mm. we hate him, we're just colluding with him. Mm, mm. Um, please don't misunderstand yeah. me. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that we should not hate his actions. We should hate his actions. Yes. But, I, I, I don't mean hating Hitler. I mean not seeing infinite awareness as worthy, because in that instance of time, infinite awareness decided, without intention, I'm just using human language, but localized in the form of Hitler and in the form of many other evil actors. So in, in what sense can I justify praying to that God that localizes in, in actors that are, that are evil? Uh, that, that is my question. I, I'm, I'm really struggling with... You're struggling not to hate God. Um, yes, yes. Not hating God, but seeing maybe, maybe God is not as good, as, as empty as we, as we thought. Maybe God has... A sort of like in the hermetic tradition, um, there's a law of polarity that that obviously before space and time, infinite oneness is just one, but when it appears, it polarizes into two different uh, we call it spheres or two different whatever you call it. Those two different polarities, one is that of service to self, and the other is that of service to others, and we can call it the negative and the positive. So for for our in, um, purpose in reality. When we speak about infinite awareness being one, I think that's very good, but it may not be the perfect image of understanding reality because for our, for our purpose, we are in this duality, we are in polarity. So it's important to also distinguish the, the, the negative polarity of service to self, which Hitler followed, and the positive polarity of service to others, which someone like you and others may be following. Um, so that... The isness of reality before space and time is one, but when it appears, it polarizes. And so there is, let's say, good energies and bad energies to associate with. There, the distinction needs to be made, it seems. It seems like that there is a God that Hitler followed, a negative God, and there is a God that we are following, a positive one. Um, that's sort of what I'm trying to get to. No, the, 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 the God that, that Hitler followed was not a God, it was the ego. Okay. Mm -hmm. Hitler's ego... Sorry, Hitler's God was was the ego, the separate self. Everything okay. he did, all his thoughts and feelings and his subsequent activities and relationships were in service of the separate self, mm -hmm. because he was ignorant of the, the the nature of he was ignorant of the nature of his own self, and therefore he was ignorant of the nature of reality. So it's not that there are two different kinds of God. It's just that his thoughts and feelings veiled the being that he truly was. Mm. He was still the same being that Mother Teresa was. In Mother Teresa's case, her thoughts and feelings were an expression of the being that she knew herself to be. And in Hitler's case, those thoughts and feelings were, were expressed the ignorance of his own being. He thought he was a temporary, finite self. He thought everybody else was a temporary, finite self. And he, he acted accordingly. So could you say the way he behaved, that he's a temporary, finite self? Can you not conceptualize his behavior as caused by, in some sense, by, let's say, a demon or, or the devil? Because, I mean, we use religious well, language that, that, to... to that would, yes, you could. That would, that would be a way of personifying ignorance. Yes, mm. yeah. And, and, and mm. attributing ignorance to an entity called the, called the devil, which created 
uh, evil in, in Hitler. I, I think that's dangerous because you then set... Um, you basically have two gods then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have God and the devil. Which is blasphemous. Can you not have multiple or many manifestations of the same God? So you have Brahman, but at the same time you have Vishnu, you have, you have this, you have that. Can you not have God as oneness, but different manifestations of that, of that oneness? And some manifestations are evil in, in the way we understand evil. Uh, in, going back to what I was saying, one that is about the path of service in the self. Yes, but, but I think, particularly now, nowadays, we don't need to personify mm. those mm-hmm. energies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. think it's a da- I think that belong, they belong to a more, uh, a less rational era when these en- energies were, were personified and placed outside the mind. Mm-hmm. Now, sure. w- w- with um, depth psychology, uh, we, we, we realize that these energies are inside the yes. mind. We don't need to personify mm-hmm. them as, as gods and demons and deities. Mm. I think doing that um, removes the responsibility from us. We can say, oh, it's the yes. devil that caused it. It's not the devil. It's your own <laughs> belief in yourself as a separate ego. Okay. Nobody else is responsible. The devil didn't do that to us. Mm-hmm. We did it to ourselves. But you could say an energy inside inside your mind, in that it, sense. It, it's true that there was an energy inside your mind which you are not personally responsible for. You know, Hitler was the product of his culture, his education. And, and, and so it, it's true, ultimately, there is no personal responsibility simply by virtue of the fact that there it's is no independent personal <laughs> entity to there to, to be responsible. But I, I think it makes more sense to... Um, let, let's concede for the moment, the, the, the existence of, of, of personal selves. I think it, it, it makes nowadays more sense for us to take personal responsibility for the, for, for, for the mm. deeper recesses of our own mind, mm. where, where, where these, um, this so-called negativity, the evil tendencies, that they reside in the depths of our own mind. That, that's the place where they have to be explored, they have to be found, they have to be, they have to be worked with. Projecting them outside of ourselves onto a, onto a, 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 a deity, a, 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 a devil. I think it just removes us from taking responsibility for the deeper workings of our own mind. So I think that those, um, I think our, our knowledge now of, of uh, depth psychology has uh, um, replaced mm. the, those um, more more primitive ideas. What we're um, the energies that lie in the deeper recesses of the mind were projected outside of us in the forms of deities and entities and gods and goddesses. And, and um, can I see the conversation in a slightly different direction? Of course, of course, go for it. So, uh, I devoted about three, four years of my life um, to pretty much full time the study of the world's spiritual and philosophical traditions uh, on my own, on my own, basically, not, not within the, the realm of any institution. I couldn't quite think of how to justify that <laughs> within any institution. Right? And so I, I, the only way I could think to do it completely cleanly was independently on my own study here in the Bodleian Libraries. Right? Before I began that, and after I began that, I had the same basic idea that, like you said, these are different languagings for, for more or less similar realities. Right? Some of them I resonated with more, some, of them, some, some traditions I resonated with more, uh, than others, some elements within different traditions I resonated with more than others, and yet at no point did I feel in my heart of hearts that I was called to commit to any formal 
mm. one of these paths. And it's something I struggle with a lot. Um, what, what is gained, right, by not doing that? Right? Mm. I feel that it would somehow be dishonest for me to sort of adopt, yes, the, the 613 laws of Moses are the covenant that was made with God, and I'm an Orthodox from Jew. Uh, Jesus Christ was Lord and Savior. I take refuge in the three jewels in the person of the Buddha. None of these feels com- truly authentic, right? Mm. Uh, what feels more authentic is, you know, my own slight mixture of, you know, m- aspects of Taoism and Judaism and this and this and that. What on earth can be said to be gained from that? Is that, I fear that that's ego. I fear that that's, uh, what, what is gained by this sort of idea of sort of purity of, of independence, of refusing to back any of the specific mm. languagings and perpetuate them, and yet hold to the fact, no, like, look, I, I don't particularly think that you disagree with me if you're a Hindu. Yeah. I think what is gained by that, and, and, and I respect that in you, what is gained by it is that you don't become attached to any tradition or any teacher. Mm. The only thing worthy of being attached to is your own being. Mm. Any teacher or any teaching that encourages us to um, devote ourselves to anyone or anything Mm. other than the ultimate reality is misleading us. Mm -hmm. And in order to be devoted to the ultimate reality which shines in us, in each of us as the knowledge I or, or I am, one does not need to be devoted to a teacher or to a tradition. One needs to be devoted to truth mm. or, or reality. Mm. So um, I, I don't, from what little I know of you, I don't feel that this is your um, ego cunningly trying to uh, perpetuate itself. No, you're obviously a very sincere, devoted truth lover and you're, you refuse to, to devote yourself to anything or anyone other than the ultimate truth. I would encourage that. And I I feel that any teacher worthy of the name would do the same. Mm. And and yet I I think that um, many people might find it a necessity to attach themselves to a particular um, system of faith or belief um, in order to be able to um, attain deeper understanding, I uh, wouldn't argue with that at all. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I, yes, I would be fine if somebody. Yeah. Tell, sorry, tell me on David. D- David, mm-hmm. yeah. If David had, had said to me, mm-hmm. I, "I've studied all the, spent four mm-hmm. years in the Bodleian Library studying all the, all the, and, and and I just love the Sufi tradition. Mm-hmm. It's the one that <laughs> speaks to my heart. <laughs> yeah. I would say, devote yourself to it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Then don't don't worry the fact that you were brought up a, a mm-hmm. Jew or a Christian or a Buddhist. No, mm-hmm. if if you resonate deeply with the Buddhist, with, with, with the Sufi Who tradition, then then, then 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 devote yourself to that. Or if someone said that to me about the Christian tradition, I, I would encourage them. It's just that David mm-hmm. doesn't resonate. Yes. Uh, um, no, you, it's not, you don't resonate. You resonate with them, but you don't want to attach yourself to mm-hmm. any particular. So I'm just encouraging David on his unique. Mm. Path. If somebody mm. else came to me and said, "I love the mystical Christian mm. tradition," mm. I would say to go mm. for it. If, mm. if that's your pathway, take right, it. Right, right. And I think I think many people are in a state of ignorance about the path that is best for them. Um, many people may not know which resources or systems of belief to turn to. Some people might just be lucky to find your recordings on YouTube um, or the recordings of another spiritual teacher. Um, uh, and this again returns to this question of in an age where there is an urgent need 
um, to be able to repair um, the hate that is driving um, you know, the downward spiral of the world, um, how, how do we get people to find the path? Well, by, by hmm. um, starting a podcast, <laughs> having conversations like this, you know, you, mm. you, you're, you're sharing your love of truth, your, mm. your love of reality in a way that at this time in your life um, is uh, easy for you make, and, and making this understanding accessible. Mm. E- each of us should do, sh- should do the same. I'm doing mm. the same thing in my own mm. way. We should all um, express this understanding, our, our, our love of truth, our love of reality in whatever way feels, feels right for us. And, and it will, we, we can't dictate how, 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 to what extent what we do, our work will, will Mm-hmm. go out into the world mm-hmm. we, we, may, we, we may our work may affect millions of people mm. thousands of people hundreds of people just a few people that, that, mm. that, that's mm. not within our control mm. so underlying your tone is that we should trust infinite awareness with, with the way it's doing its work in us right we should trust it in a sense we shouldn't worry about well, what exactly am I doing to contribute towards the spread of this understanding? Yeah, because I, I worry a lot that I'm not having enough impact. In that mm. sense. Yeah, that's what Dave was saying earlier, yeah. that he's staying in his room and he's not helping mm. the children in Africa dying of hunger. But, but also, I'm, I'm not reaching an audience of thousands for which I can justify having spent my day. Yes. You know, I've set, I spent an hour explaining things to people that helped a thousand people. No, I'm sitting in my room waiting for someone to call me and no one does, kind of thing. And, you know, you record a YouTube video seen by 50 people and you feel like a schmuck. (laughs) And then then you're like, well, so what do I do? Am I compelled to then go and spend five hours a day trawling Reddit and putting my video everywhere on Reddit so that I can feel justified in doing enough to spread Mm -hmm. this vision? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it gets so mingled with and then then hating yourself for wanting to self-promote, which is such an unpleasant Mm. act, you know? Sorry. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it was the, the question was trust that Sorry. we should trust infinite awareness. Yes, yes, because the frustration, the, the, all, all the frustration, it comes from the that comes from the ego, yeah, from yeah. the sense mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Um, no, you just just stay with your love of truth mm-hmm. and allow that to express itself naturally mm-hmm. through the mm-hmm. particular vehicle of your mm-hmm. of your body mind. It's mm-hmm. not for you to dictate you know how and where this goes in the world how many people see it that, that that's that the ego is creeping back in mm. yeah. Yeah. what about the worry not the frustration the worry and the urgency it, make the worry your investigation mm-hmm. because the the, the, the worry the sense of inadequacy, the feeling that you're not achieving, all of these are the residues of the ego in yourself. Mm-hmm. As long as those are still operating in you, then that is what you're going to be sharing out in the world. Mm-hmm. So t- 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 take the frustration, the, 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 the worry, the anxiety, the sense mm-hmm. of failure. The, make, make this your, your mm-hmm. contemplation. Ask yourself, but, but who is the one? that feels frustrated. Is it me, the presence of awareness, that feels frustrated? Is awareness ever frustrated? No. Awareness is like the space of this room. It doesn't, it doesn't mind what takes place in this room. So you, you have to um, mm. establish yourself as that. 
and then and then your body mind will just naturally um, express that. Mm-hmm. So if there's anxiety, uh, lack of confidence, uh, um, frustration, that, then th- these are the these are the residues of of, of the of the mm. ego in you. To yeah. Take instead of trying to fulfill, mm. instead of trying harder, trying to get mm. your videos out there even more. No, do, do the opposite. Turn around, investigate the. Ask yourself, but who who is the one that feels frustrated? Mm. Who who is the one that is anxious? Who is the one that feels mm. a failure? And, mm. and, Use these emotions to to deepen your investigation into the true nature of yourself and to, mm-hmm. to establish yourself there, mm-hmm. and then more and more your actions will will naturally flow from that, and you will find yourself being effortlessly effective in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Some there'll be some chance meeting mm-hmm. that 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 you you you, you didn't imagine, mm-hmm. you didn't design mm-hmm. it, you didn't even want it. It you'll just get an invitation to do something, mm-hmm. and it will. It will seem to come out of nowhere, mm. but it won't. The universe will be responding to this impersonal mm. stance in yourself. Mm. Why? Because what you essentially are and what the universe essentially is are the same. So the changes that we go through internally, they elicit a response. Mm. They seem to be their synchronistic expo- mm. responses of the universe. Mm. Mm. So, um, and the universe will respond. Because you are then, and I'm, 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 I'm caricaturing the universe now, the universe will, so to speak, recognize that, that you, you are, to a degree, f- free of the ego, and therefore the work you do in the world will be effective. Mm. Rupert, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> If I may. <laughs> It wasn't a question, right? <laughs> Um, I, I, I think the, the reason that many people um, attach themselves to different systems of belief or faiths um, is that this idea of, of um, adhering to um, your desire for your desire to seek out truth and letting um, every action of yours be um, an expression of 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 that desire um, is perhaps too ambiguous or vague or not prescriptive enough. Um, And people seek out instead specific practices, like specific kinds of meditation they can do in order to um, in order to be able to express that truth more authentically. Um, it seems that the practice that you're recommending, if it if it can even be called a practice, is to consistently ask oneself the question: What is it that is aware of um, this? You know, frustration, emotion. Thought, etc., that I am experiencing. Um, what what is that which is witnessing, right? Um, and so, um, uh, a- am I right in, in 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 summarizing what you're saying that 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 this mode of self, this mode of very very simple self inquiry, um, is the path to letting oneself express that truth um, more authentically? Yes. What what is What is called, referred to as self-inquiry or, or self-abidance, is, is this investigation into the essential nature of ourself. What, what, what do I mean by the essential nature of ourself? The essential nature of ourself is what remains of ourself when everything that is not essential to us has been removed. Well, our thoughts are not essential to us because we can exist in the absence of thinking. So when, when we've, we've, we've discarded or... Uh, uh, um, When, 
when we've let go of our thoughts, feelings, activities, mm-hmm. sensations, perceptions, and so on, what, what remains, uh, the, the essential, irreducible nature of ourself, is simply pure consciousness, mm-hmm. pure, pure awareness. And what we call the, the ego or the separate self is any kind of limitation that is added to our essential self. So a lot of, going back to what you said about people affiliating themselves with, with, with certain traditions mm. or teachers or teachings, that the, the ego, the separate self, can only exist by attaching itself to someone or something. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people actually turn, uh, our, when we approach a religious or spiritual tradition, we can either do so because we truly long for the truth and we feel that that tradition has a, has a pathway for us, but it's equally possible that the ego substantiates itself by associating mm-hmm. itself with some kind of spiritual or religious tradition or, or, or teacher. Mm-hmm. So um, ultimately, one in, in the ultimate analysis, one should attach oneself to, to nothing, to nobody mm-hmm. and to nothing. It's not that one should... One shouldn't attach oneself. One's true nature is inherently mm-hmm. free of attachment. Mm-hmm. That the space in this room, it doesn't have to work hard at mm-hmm. not attaching itself mm-hmm. to any piece of furniture mm-hmm. or any piece or, or any person that enters the room. Mm-hmm. Its nature mm-hmm. is to be unattached. Mm-hmm. It couldn't be attached to anything if it wanted to. Mm-hmm. Well, our nature is like a sp- is is like space in the sense that it's the the space or the presence mm. of awareness mm. its nature is inherently free mm. we don't mm. have to become free mm. through mm. effort or practice mm. or discipline we just have to recognize that what we essentially are is already and always inherently free and any anything we attach to limits that freedom and mm. that's what the ego is it is it is an imag- it is an it, mm. it, it, it mm. is a, 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 a um, an identification of ourself with something. Mm. However mm. noble that something is, that, that mm. something could be the highest, mm. uh, the highest uh, teaching or teacher. If, if we, if, if we uh, um, identify ourselves with anything, mm. be that thing a thought, a feeling, an activity, a relationship, that, 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 that is the ego, that is the, the creation of an apparently temporary, finite, separate mm. self. This mixture of awareness with the content of experience mm. Mm. creates the apparently separate self or, mm. or ego. So ultimately one should, one should, um, one doesn't need to keep oneself free of attachments. It's not something we, we have to work at. Just, we, we just need to recognize that what mm. we essentially are is already and inherently free. Mm. So it's an act of reminding, in a sense, reminding ourselves. It's, it's a recognition. Mm. Yeah. We don't become free mm. through effort or practice or discipline. Mm. We recognize mm. that what we essentially are is already mm. free. And we, we, we begin to establish ourselves mm. mm-hmm. in that understanding. Mm. We don't just understand it, but we feel it. We live that from that understanding. Mm, 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 mm. Yes, yes. Because we spoke about ignorance earlier, um, and it seems as though I don't. I don't know if you would uh, be committed to the claim that that we are inherently born into a state of ignorance. Um, but there is this act of remembering um, in the spiritual path um, of, of of remembering. But, but you see, when you say we are born into mm. the we that you are referring to is 
the separate self or the person. Right, right. You're not referring to we awareness. Right, exactly. Awareness yes. is not born into anything. The, right, the right. space of this room did not appear in this room mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. this building was built. The space was here first. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. the building that was born into the space. The mm-hmm. space wasn't born mm-hmm. into the building. Mm-hmm. Our body-mind was born into awareness, but mm-hmm. we are essentially the unborn, mm-hmm. undying mm-hmm. awareness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, awareness fills our body mind in the same way that space fills this room but the space the space in this room is not actually the space in this room the space in this room is the is the one universal space there's only one space in the universe it seems to be limited to this room it seems to share you 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 would come in here and you say it's a small dark space Mm. no the space is not small and dark Mm -hmm. the the space is vast and borderless Mm, mm, well mm. we we feel that i am temporary, finite, limited. No, our self is not temporary, finite. Our thoughts and feelings, sensations, perception, these are temporary, finite, mm. and limited. These are like the four walls of this mm. room. But our being, our self, the presence of awareness, is universal, unlimited. It was not born into this mm-hmm. body. This body was born into it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, 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 exactly. Um, and, and so the body-mind has to remember um, this original source. No, the body-mind mm. can't remember it, because it, 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 <laughs> yeah. only, the, only, only that which is, only awareness is aware. Right, only, right, right, uh, right. Uh, awareness is not known by the body-mind. Mm, the body-mind mm. is known by awareness. Mm, mm, so it's, 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 it's we awareness mm. who lose ourself mm-hmm. in the content of experience right. and then we come back to ourselves. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So it, it seems like, the, yeah, right, so I guess what I'm trying to drive it is this is cyclical nature yes. so of the, ignorance ex- and exactly. remembering. Take t- 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 the actor John Smith mm. who plays the part of King Lear. Right. So the, the, uh, John Smith puts on the character of King Lear and seems to become King mm-hmm. Lear. He never really becomes King Lear. There, mm-hmm. there is no person called King right. Lear. King Lear is just an imaginary limitation mm-hmm. of John Smith. But John Smith loses himself in the character mm-hmm. of King Lear and therefore as this apparent person, King Lear, he seems to have to trace his way back to mm-hmm. himself as John Smith. That's the path of prayer mm-hmm. or meditation. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. tracing back from mm-hmm. King Lear Mm. to John Smith is mm. what we call meditation or self-inquiry mm. or, or mm. prayer. Of course, when we when we recognize I am John Smith, mm. it's not King Lear who has that experience. Mm. King Lear cannot have the experience I am John Smith. Likewise, right. it's not the person that recognizes I am awareness. Mm. Yeah. It is I awareness who, first of all, loses myself in experience, seems to become temporary and mm. finite, mm-hmm. traces my way back to myself and mm-hmm. recognizes I am awareness. Mm-hmm. So it is always... Consciousness is known by itself. Right, right. It is not known by anything other than itself. Right, right. And this act of tracing back, it can be either gradual or it can be sudden. Uh, in, in Zen Buddhism, uh, David can correct me if I'm wrong, there's northern school and southern school in China, right? And the southern school is one that advocated for sudden enlightenment. Um, northern school of enlightenment advocated for gradual enlightenment. Um, but the, the mm. idea of sudden and gradual are both... Um, Uh, they're both concessions <laughs> to <laughs> the time and space that seem to be real from King Lear's point of view. <laughs> so as a concession to King Lear, <laughs> one Zen master says, the recognition I am John Smith takes place gradually. The next Zen master says <laughs> to him, it takes place suddenly. Right, when John Smith, 
has the recognition, I am John Smith, right. he realizes that it did not take place mm. in mm. the time and space mm. that seemed to be mm. real mm. from mm. King Lear's mm. point of view. Mm. So re- this recognition is neither gradual nor mm. sudden, mm. but mm. either point of view is legitimate mm. depending on the point of view of depending on what King Lear needs to hear at that mm, moment. Mm, mm, mm. Nevertheless, you would think that if someone thinks it's a good idea to practice self-awareness for half an hour a day in the morning and the evening, then, they should then, do, then do it, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, no, I, I, you're absolutely right. I'm not uh, um, suggesting that just because King Lear is ultimately an illusory character that we should say to him, there's nothing to do. Mm. No, no. If, if we say to King Lear, there's nothing to do, he'll just stay miserable for the rest of his life. No. <laughs> the, the teaching must make a concession. A- anything we say. If, if, we, if, if we didn't want to make a concession, we would not open our mouths. <laughs> not a single word that has ever been said in any of the scriptures was true. It was all a compassionate concession yeah, to the separate yeah, self that we believe ourselves to be. Mm-hmm. So it is legitimate to say to King Lear, no, pray, mm-hmm. meditate, mm-hmm. practice mm-hmm. self-inquiry, mm-hmm. do yoga, do japa, whatever it is mm-hmm. that, that is appropriate. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's not... Uh, ultimately, it's, it, it's a lie. It, it's... it's it's um, crediting King Lear mm. with too much existence of his own. However, if we don't do that, mm. King Lear yeah, just stays miserable. Yeah. So it's, um, it's legitimate to do, to do something. And whatever it is, you, you meditate for half an hour more in the evening, you do japa, you pray, whatever it is, it, then it, we should do that. Whatever efforts we seem to have to make, mm. we should make those efforts, yes. Mm. yes. Knowing all the time it's not really... It's not really us. It's not really we, mm. King Lear, mm. who are doing the practicing. It is John Smith that is reeling us in. <laughs> it, the, the, the ultimate mm. reality does everything. Mm. But from our limited points of view, mm. we feel that we are doing it. That's fine. If we feel we, we are doing it, we should do it. Later on, we'll realize, oh, not only did I not do anything, I wasn't even, <laughs> I wasn't an, even an entity there in the first place, either to do something or not to do something. Mm, 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 but we shouldn't say that prematurely. Mm, mm, mm. Otherwise we remain suffering and we just wash a veneer of non-duality over our suffering. Mm. So there's an act of surrender, but not such a surrender that completely silence, silence us, right? Sur- surrender to infinite awareness, but not surrender in such a degree that we don't do anything, right? The illusion mm. is still there, right? Just the yeah. ignorance is gone. Mm-hmm. Yes, but, mm. yes. Mm. Yes, you could say that. Yeah. Okay. In this, sorry. In this ontology, is there something more ultimate than consciousness? No. What form or substance might it imbue? My what, consciousness imbue. What I suppose. What is consciousness? other than isness itself. Uh, it's aware isness. Hmm. That which does not have something yes. that is aware. Yes. Y- yes, it's not awareness is not an attribute of being. Mm-hmm. Being is the nature of being is awareness. Be- being and awareness are, are the same aware being. Uh, being is aware being is innately aware Mm. awareness is not an attribute of being being is not prior to awareness Mm. 
you can check that in your own experience because we're not just philosophizing here we're 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 exploring the nature of reality and all we have to explore is our experience Mm -hmm. so have you ever or could you ever experience being in the absence of awareness So the, the, the idea that there is being in the absence of awareness is simply that. It's, it's a belief. Hmm. So that, That's what the materialists basically believe, that there is something outside of awareness and prior to awareness. The, the materialists call it matter. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. So awareness can localize as non-sentient matter as well. And, and I think that's that's the. It, it's not. You see, it's not that awareness actually localizes as non-sentient matter. When you have a dream at night, you fall asleep in Oxford. You dream that you're walking on the streets of Paris. From your localized perspective within the dream, it seems that the streets of Paris are made out of stuff that's outside of your own mind, and you call that matter. So, from the perspective of the person you seem to be within your own dream. The streets of Paris are made out of matter. It's not that your own mind, your your mind asleep in Oxford, has really localised as matter in your dream. There is no matter in your dream. It's all the activity of your own mind. It just looks like matter from the localised perspective of a separate subject of experience within your dream. So there is no stuff called matter. This here, this is not matter. This is all the activity of consciousness. It appears as matter from the localized perspective of each of our finite minds. Yes, and, and what I am asking is, does what we perceive, a.k.a. humans, is the view of the localizations of consciousness similar or is it shared with that of the view of the localizations from the perspective of say a rock well the the rock is um not itself a, a localization of consciousness the, the rock is what the unlocalized activity of consciousness looks like from a localized perspective so localizations would would, would be um, sentient beings Localized, these localizations, we experience ourselves as, as, as people, mm-hmm. animals. Mm-hmm. So a rock or, or, or an insentient object is not itself a localization. It's what the unlocalized mm-hmm. activity of consciousness mm-hmm. looks like from mm-hmm. a localized perspective. When, you're, when you, dream, you fall asleep in Oxford, you dream that you're walking on the streets of Paris. Remind me your name. Alex. Alex. So Alex in the you you localize yourself as Alex in the dream. Alex in the dream is a localization of your mind asleep in Oxford. Mm-hmm. But the streets of Paris are all the rest of your mind, the unlocalized aspect. Mm-hmm. You feel I'm localized as Alex mm-hmm. on the streets of Paris. You feel that you're localized on the streets of Paris. Your own mind asleep in Oxford has localized itself in a little corner of its own dream mm-hmm. on the streets of Paris. Everything else you see in your dream is the part of your mind that is not localized mm-hmm. as Alex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, mm-hmm. so 
So it seems that you would you would subscribe to oneness and non-duality and open individualism, but not quite subscribe to panpsychism. Yeah, no, I definitely don't subscribe to panpsychism. Panpsychism is a is really an extension of materialism. Mm. It's mm. what happens when a materialist um, is open to the fact that consciousness may be fundamental to reality, but doesn't want to give up his materialist <laughs> presumptions. So he, he sticks with his belief matter is the ultimate nature of reality. And then, because he's open to the possibility that the consciousness may be fundamental, he then believes every particle of matter must have at least a modicum of consciousness mm. to it. But again, this is just an extension of materialism. We have to, we have to abandon... Mm. The, the materialist model is based on a false premise. You need to start with consciousness. But panpsychism is the idea that, that all of matter is consciousness. No, there, it is conscious. No, there is no matter. Matter is just what the activity of consciousness looks like from a localized perspective. There is only consciousness. Mm-hmm. But pri- prior to the evolution of sentient beings, consciousness was not localized, then, you would yeah, say. Yeah, there was still consciousness and its activity, mm. but it would not have appeared mm. as, a, a, as a world because mm. there would have been no separate subject of experience mm. to perceive it. Mm. That doesn't mean to say that reality was not there. I'm right. not mm. suggesting that all there is to reality is the sum total of our finite minds. No, reality precedes mm. the finite mind, mm. but it borrows its appearance mm. from the finite mm. mind. Mm. So and, did, did, just a quick question. Did a localization have a beginning? Or is reality always no, t- localizing t- time, without beginning? Time seemed to begin <laughs> the, the, in the timeless moment that consciousness localized itself mm. in each of our minds. Mm-hmm. So time is is not uh, is not inherent in in reality. Mm. It is when consciousness is eternal and infinite. When it contracts into a finite mm-hmm. mind, eternity appears as time and infinity appears as space. Mm-hmm. So time and space are what the eternal, infinite nature of consciousness looked like mm-hmm. from the localized perspective of a human mind. Mm-hmm. So, so that seems to suggest that localization, consciousness has always been uh, in the process of localization, as in there was no beginning or end to consciousness localizing itself, as in consciousness has always been experiencing itself through the finite mind. No, no, consciousness experiences itself directly, it experiences the universe, or rather, it experiences its own activity as the universe from the perspective of a finite mind. Yes. And time and space seem to begin in the timeless moment that consciousness localizes itself at, uh, as a finite mind. As soon as consciousness localizes itself as a finite mind, it ceases knowing its own eternal, infinite mm. nature. Mm. Mm. And its own eternal, infinite nature appears to it from that localized perspective mm. as time and space. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's why we, as human beings, think that time and space is the reality within which the universe appears. No, the universe doesn't appear in time and space. It appears in consciousness. Mm. Mm. Time and mm. space are what consciousness looks like from a localized perspective. Mm. Mm. My, my question, I suppose, is that was there ever an instance of infinity experiencing itself without the finite? Was yes, it? yes, absolutely. Whenever the, experience, the infinite experiences itself, mm. it is always mm. in the absence of a finite. The, the infinite cannot experience itself through the finite mind, just as 
John Smith cannot know himself through King Lear. He has to cease being King Lear in order to know himself as John Smith. <laughs> so, uh, um, yes, the, 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 infinite, the infinite can only be known by the infinite. And the finite can only be known by the finite. The infinite cannot know the finite directly. In order to know something finite or objective, the infinite must seem to have to become a separate subject of experience. It's only from the perspective of a separate finite subject of experience that finite objects can be perceived. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But in order to know itself, it, 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 it does not need to localize itself. Indeed, in the form of a, a localization, in the form of a finite mind, it cannot know itself. Why? Because the finite mind imposes its own limitations on everything that is known, and everything that is perceived by a finite mind appears in accordance with its own limitations. So for exactly the same reason that you can't see white snow through orange-tinted glasses, so the finite mind cannot know the, the infinite nature of consciousness. Because of everything the finite mind knows is by definition finite. So consciousness knows finite experience, objective experience through each of our minds, but to know us to know itself, it does so directly. Mm. And so th th this, this knowledge of our own being, the awareness of being, is an utterly unique experience. It is the only experience there is that 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 is not mediated through the finite mind. It's why it's referred to sometimes as the absolute. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, our own be the awareness of our be of being shines in each of our minds as the knowledge I am. That's why the name I am is said to be the divine name, God's name. Why is this? It's because if we take the thought I am, before anything is added to it, before we say I am a man, I am a woman, I am 24 or 30, before, if we just take the pure thought I am and we allow our mind to be drawn to its referent, hmm. in other words, to the fact of simply being, the I am is like a portal in the back of the mind hmm. through which we pass out of time into eternity. Hmm. It is a portal through which the finite mind, as the finite mind steps through that portal, it is divested of its limitations, and at that moment, our true nature recognizes itself. Why this yearning from the finite for the infinite? Yes, of course, but, but because um, because the finite is a contraction of the infinite. Imagine you take a, a rubber ball. Who, which is in a state of equilibrium, mm -hmm. at rest, mm -hmm. neither expanding nor contracting, and then you contract it. Mm -hmm. What does it want to do? It, it, it wants to expand. It wants why, to go back. But why can't it wait till death? Like why throughout its but, life? But because so it, because it's not. But because a, a finite mind, that is each of us, mm -hmm. is by definition of a, a contraction. We are in a state of tension. What mm. is that state of tension? Mm. It is a state in which we are seeking to return to mm. our natural state of e equilibrium. Mm. And, and the human being experiences that as the desire for happiness. Right. That's what the desire for happiness is. The desire, not for an object, a person. Right. The desire for happiness is to be relieved of this contraction of separation. And we don't want that at death. We want it now. Mm -hmm. we, when, when we desire happiness, we don't think, I want happiness tomorrow or next week or when I... No, when we want happiness, we, we want it now. We want in this, the, the, the self, the separate self... Once, there's this constant force um, 
working, operating on the separate self, tending to take it back to its natural state of equilibrium. That's why it's not possible to be to be a separate self. Who there's no such thing as a separate self who is not in search of happiness. In fact, the separate self is not really an entity in its own right. It is the search for happiness. <laughs> <laughs> the separate mm. self is ultimately mm. it is an activity mm. not an entity it is the activity of resisting and seeking mm. it's not an entity in its own right mm. Mm. I mean at, di- at this point we have reached the time so thank you so much Rupert for, <laughs> for coming and give us, not at all. So giving us your time talking it's, with it's you been a pleasure it's been a wonderful pleasure. time Lovely. thank yeah. you so much yeah. So that's one in front of awareness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you so Not much. Not at all. It's a pleasure. So much, pleasure being with you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning in and being with us. I hope that this conversation has blessed you as much as it has blessed me. See you in the next one.